My name is Jackie Lamport. Today is Thursday, January 27th. Welcome to the Capital Daily Podcast. Today on the show. And we're a volunteer organization. This movement runs on passion and and dedication to the cause. And I don't see anybody wanting to give up yet. We're still in it for the long haul. The B.C. Court of Appeal has ruled to extend an injunction limiting the actions of protesters at Ferry Creek. Today, we bring you reaction to the decision and look ahead at where things go from here. Today's Capital Daily Podcast is brought to you by the Victoria Conservatory of Music. Students of any age, any instrument, and any level can explore their creative talents in classical, contemporary, music technology, and early childhood music. Join the VCM community and make this year a musical one. Visit vcm.bc.ca to register today. Yesterday morning, the B.C. Court of Appeal ruled in favor of extending the injunction filed by Teal Jones against protesters preventing logging at Ferry Creek. The extension was originally denied by Justice Douglas Thompson back in September. There were a few different reasons for Justice Thompson's ruling. Perhaps one of the most talked about was his statement about how the actions of the RCMP had put the court's reputation at risk. The B.C. Court of Appeal did not agree. In their ruling, they wrote that the court is, quote, not taking sides and that, quote, the purpose of the injunction is not to protect the activity, but to uphold the rule of law. The Court of Appeals document summarized their decision, saying, quote, The availability of the criminal law is not a factor weighing against the granting or extension of a civil injunction to a private entity. More on that later. And continues, The court's reputation, properly characterized, is not depreciated by the grant and enforcement of an injunction to stop unlawful conduct. The conduct of police does not tarnish the reputation of the court. The court and police are constitutionally independent. The public interest in upholding the rule of law continues to be the dominant public interest in cases involving civil disobedience against a private entity. The Rainforest Flying Squad are still unsure of what their next legal steps will be. We're still sort of digesting the decision and figuring out what the best course of action is at this point. We have a few avenues to investigate whether this should be appealed further, what sorts of actions we might be able to take in BC Supreme Court to further deal with the issues of concern. So we're in the process of working through all of that to figure out uh, where we should go next. That's the voice of Matthew Nefsted, one of the lawyers representing the blockaders. Matthew spoke with Capital Daily reporter Zoe Ducklow. He noted a takeaway from the ruling that he regarded as positive. The court is basically saying that where there is police misconduct in the enforcement of the injunction, that's something that can be raised by essentially the criminal defense counsel for the people who are arrested by the by the police. So charges or evidence can be thrown out uh, if they come about through the exercise of, of police power in, in an inappropriate way. So that's something that I know the criminal defense team, which I'm not directly involved with, but I, I know that that's something that that they're working on an application to essentially have a bunch of charges or sentencing positions thrown out based on abusive process by the RCMP. And I think that that this decision is provides really strong support for that. The document also described how the court believed Justice Thompson made two errors in his analysis. 
One of those was his stance that the actions of the protesters who were breaking the law did not require an injunction for RCMP to enforce the criminal code. The Court of Appeal explained that this would, quote, lead inevitably to the conclusion that the more egregious the behavior of the protesters, the less likely it is an injunction will be granted, a principle entirely at odds with the court's obligation to uphold the rule of law. Zoe asked Matthew about that. There certainly is merit to what the Court of Appeal is saying here. The enforcement gap is a, it, it's always been a difficult issue because it's a question of what is the, the most appropriate mechanism to be used to stop illegal activity in in a situation like this and the the problem of course is that really it's it's not about the illegal activity it's about like from our perspective it's about what are the consequences of the approach that's used and the consequence that we saw from the use of of an injunction was essentially police overreach and impacts on civil liberties beyond what was required to to stop the illegal activity. On the topic of criminal activity, Zoe found another interesting part about how the document portrays the blockaders. She asked him about that. In their ruling, the justices wrote that protests are part of a healthy democracy, but criminal conduct is not. And in this case, the injunction is, quote, all that stands between Teal Cedar and a highly organized group of individuals who are intent on breaking the law to get their way, end quote. Is that a fair characterization of your clients? No, it's not. And that's an excellent question. Uh, One of the concerns that I had reading this decision was really a a concern that we've had throughout this process that people breaking the law get lumped together with people participating in peaceful, lawful protest. And the concern that I personally have, have been focusing on throughout this process is the unlawful restrictions on civil liberties for the people who are engaging in lawful protest. I think that, well, Justice Thompson was quite clear that the RCMP has engaged in unlawful enforcement activity that has substantially infringed upon the civil liberties of people participating in protest. And I think that it sounds to me like the Court of Appeal has not given quite as much weight as we would like to the interests of those lawful protesters and the way that their rights are being affected by the presence and enforcement of the injunction. Matthew did note that the court did acknowledge the public interest in protecting lawful protests, but he also doesn't believe that this idea is reflected. One bit of the decision that I would specifically point to is paragraph 71 where the the court sort of says as an aside that there's a public interest in protecting lawful protests, but then uh, goes on to say that there are no competing equities to weigh or balance as between protesters engaged in illegal acts and Teal Cedar with its legal right to use logging roads and harvest timber. And so they, they've acknowledged that there is a public interest in protecting lawful protest, but I would say that we don't see that reflected very well in the decision that they made, that really the focus here is on upholding the rule of law from the point of view of preventing protesters from breaking the law. And one of the concerns that we have is, so the rule of law, of course, requires that the law apply equally to everyone. And the argument that we made was that 
the police misconduct and and the things that were unlawfully done in enforcing the injunction is also a threat to the rule of law, the same as people blocking roads to prevent logging. And so in our view, the, it seems like the, the Court of Appeal hasn't given the kind of attention that we think is warranted to that aspect of the rule of law, that in order for the rule of law to be upheld, those enforcing the law must be subject to it as well. Nefsted also told us about his concern with what this ruling means for judicial oversight of the RCMP. The court talks about other mechanisms that the court can use to perform judicial oversight of the RCMP. The court talks about members of the public bringing civil claims against the RCMP. And it also talks about members of the public making complaints against the RCMP to the Civilian Review and Complaints Commission. And as the court here notes, and as Justice Thompson noted uh, in his decision, those processes take considerable time to resolve. And so our main concern with those is that they won't be responsive enough to allow for the kind of adaptation of on-the-ground enforcement actions that's needed to address the kinds of misconduct we've been seeing. Before the initial denial of the injunction extension and the following appeal, the RCMP had actually gone to court to request more power be granted to them in their enforcement. Donnery Nygaard, an attorney general of Canada lawyer, had argued that, quote, unless the RCMP has the ability to control access to the roads to do very difficult work and to stem the flow of the material being used to breach the injunction, the situation will remain unworkable. In July, Justice Douglas Thompson had ruled that the exclusion zones the RCMP were enforcing were actually unlawful. Matthew told us that with this ruling, it's possible the RCMP may bring that request back to court. The injunction that's in place now is the same one that was varied by Justice Thompson in the summer, which he said in September the RCMP are still not acting in accordance with, that they're still they're still imposing unlawful restrictions on access. And so it it may be that the RCMP will bring their application back to court to get those revisions that they previously requested to allow them to do the kind of enforcement that Justice Thompson said that they weren't allowed to do under the terms of the existing injunction. On that note, there were also two other court applications in September that were also adjourned since the injunction expired. These were from the blockaders. One was asking for those exclusion zones to be declared in contempt of court, and one was about the methods police used to extract people from hard blockades. Zoe asked Matthew if their legal team may also consider bringing those applications back. That's one of the things that we're looking at. Uh, What should be our next step in the uh, BC Supreme Court and whether any of those applications should be revived. It also, of course, has been a number of months since those applications were made. So it could be that instead of simply bringing back an existing application, a new application might be made on new evidence. So that's it's it's something that we're actively considering, and we don't have uh, we don't have a conclusion one way or the other on that at this point. It's unclear as of yet what the next steps will be. However, Justice Thompson's decision was not based on what the Ferry Creek legal team was arguing in court. The Rainforest Flying Squad was arguing that the protection of old-growth forests was a public interest matter, which their lawyers had argued should be included in the balance of convenience test. Thompson, in his ruling, had said that that argument was not on the table. 
It remains to be seen if the Rainforest Flying Squad will go back to that argument, push further on the matters that Justice Thompson had brought up, or perhaps even create an entirely new case. We'll have more in a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor. Today's Capital Daily Podcast is brought to you by the Royal BC Museum's feature exhibition, Orcas, Our Shared Future. Orcas, Our Shared Future has something for everyone. Dramatic displays, 100-plus unique artifacts, immersive games, and engaging videos. On now until March 31st, 2022. Learn more at rbcm.ca forward slash orcas. That's rbcm.ca forward slash orcas. We also reached out to the RCMP for comment on the ruling. We had initially tried to speak directly with Sergeant Chris Manso, a voice any continuous listener of the show would be familiar with. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get an interview, but he did send us a statement. It read, The RCMP is aware of the BC Court of Appeals' decision to uphold and extend Teal Cedar Products injunction in the Ferry Creek watershed area. We are reviewing the decision with respect to the RCMP's role, discretion, and authorities as it relates to enforcement of injunctions. The RCMP has maintained a police presence in the area to respond to any calls for service in support of the local police of jurisdiction, Souk and Lake Cowichan RCMP. We will continue our roving patrols to ensure the forestry roads remain clear and unobstructed. And to get a sense of the feeling and strategy among the Rainforest Flying Squad members, we reached out to Kathy Code, a spokesperson for the group. She joins us now. Kathy, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Jackie. My pleasure to, to be asked and invited. Okay, so this morning, the results came from the court. First off, was that what you were expecting? Yeah, it's not unexpected. Uh, I think the justices did signal their intention um, quite well during the two-day hearing in November. I think it was pretty clear the direction they were coming from at that point in time. So, but it is extremely disappointing. You know, Justice Thompson had edged open the door a little bit for us in terms of of um, having the RCMP being held accountable for for their illegal actions and their racism. Um, but that door now seems to be pretty well shut. At that time, when Justice Thompson made his original decision, was that surprising? Yeah, that sort of gave us a glimmer of hope. It wasn't any of the arguments that we had presented. This was something that he had presented um, as uh, from his perspective. So we were really glad to see that. The court did not agree with what Thompson said. What did it say to you that they didn't? Oh, it's, that's extremely disappointing for the court to say that the, the actions of the RCMP are not their concern. Um, Obviously, and they talked about the rule of law and how nobody is above the rule of law, and that's their primary concern. And yet the RCMP apparently are above the law, um, that they are allowed to proceed with, with these illegal actions and, and historically the actions that they have done over time. The court did say that peaceful protesters and citizens have redressed through the Civilian Review and Complaints Commission. But I mean, as we've seen recently in the news, that's a pretty flawed and bureaucratic process to go through and is not satisfactory in any way whatsoever. And the fact is that that review is led by the RCMP themselves. So here you have the RCMP investigating themselves. Well, that's not going to be a, a, a fair and unbiased process for citizens and protesters. Um, this gives me concern then that the RCMP will take this Court of Appeal decision to mean that um, this is free license for them then to continue 
their their unlawful actions, uh, particularly those as described by Justice Thompson, and also those ones that are deeply embedded in in the racism that's been held uh, over decades and century centuries uh, within this organization. I can tell that you're not at camp right now, but do you know what the morale at camp is like? Well, camp is closed. I mean, there is nobody. There is no camp right now. So it's closed. Um, so because it's pretty hard to live the winter there without any permanent structures, let's face it, yeah. that's that's pretty difficult for any human to live through. Um, but I, I think the the morale on the ground and throughout the movement then is that we want to stay strong um, and we're not willing to give up yet. Um, we recognize that this is primarily an issue of leadership, a lack of leadership on the part of the NDP government. Oh, government has to come in and pick up its proper role. They did break their election promises. Um, and I th- it's my belief that they won the election on the basis of their promise to protect old growth logging. And since then, they have really not protected one single hectare. They've talked about deferrals and they've talked about First Nations and, and all that sort of thing. But they haven't actually protected one single hectare uh, of old growth. So that's pretty disappointing that and they continue these tactics. Um, they obviously need a new forestry model, um, you know, and, and that's been recognized for decades. Um, uh, forest, forest professionals have recognized that, that there is a need to change the forest tenures practices um, that the, our forestry model is based on and that we need better practices rather than clear cutting and tree plantations. Does this ruling change anything for the movement? How do you think it's going to impact long term? Yeah, I think it's definitely a turning point where where we have to sort of regroup and reorganize and rethink our strategies. Definitely. Um, But we're not willing to give up. I mean, we're and we're a volunteer organization. This movement runs on passion and and dedication to the cause. And I don't see anybody wanting to give up yet. We're still in it for the long haul. You said that camps were closed. I was under the impression it was just a couple camps, but you're saying all the camps right now are closed. Oh, there is one camp outside the injunction area, but it is only open by invitation only. It's not a public camp at all. Mm -hmm. So it's there mainly to monitor activities that are still going on. Um, Teal Jones is still logging at this point in time. And and I imagine that they are probably uh, logging the old growth as fast as they can. The weather is going to start getting nicer, hopefully within the next couple of months, maybe even the next couple of weeks. Uh, is the plan to get back out there maybe in the same force that we saw during the summer? I, again, those decisions have yet to be made, uh, but that's certainly uh, certainly an option open to us. What What do you think is the are the next steps in the immediate right now? Well, I think we have to continue pressure on government to do the right thing, to do what they had promised in the election and to do what's right uh, for our forests, uh, for the indigenous peoples, for citizens in this province, because old growth is not an infinite resource. It's not a renewable resource. And when it, once it runs out, it's gone. It's gone forever. And that has huge impact on our future um, in terms of climate change, in terms of loss of biodiversity, in terms of social and economic injustices. There's a lot involved around the whole forestry industry. And I think we really 
as a society, we really need to have a look at this and look at how we can manage this better on behalf of everyone. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. To learn more about this, you can read Zoe Ducklow's full article at capitaldaily.ca. If you want to help support Capital Daily's local journalism and connect to your business with our engaged and curious Greater Victoria audience of over 50,000, you can email our partnerships team at advertising at capitaldaily.ca. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review and also subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. We post new shows every Monday to Friday. My name is Jackie Lamport. This is the Capital Daily Podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow.